0: If you look at so many people on LinkedIn, half of them are like lying about like what they do. So like if we could actually encourage people to be honest about what happened in their lives, that's what you want. You don't want like someone with this flashy resume that looks great because often they're the ones that are going to disappoint you the most. What I teach people is to talk about like your resume of failure and what you learn from it.
1: day and welcome to the leading with nice interview series podcast where we want to help you inspire others build loyalty and get results my name is matthew ewell and as per usual i am super excited about today's guest i'll tell you how i came across her i was in a local store in my community and it was a new shop and i asked the owners i said what should i buy and they pointed to two products they said these are the two products you want to bring home one of them was coffee and the other one was this bag of popcorn which looked delicious. I actually bought three different varieties of it and my kids promptly ate it. It was called Comeback Snacks. So I you know I like like you do when you learn about something you like, you Google it. And then I stumbled upon this awesome story behind this brand. Emily O'Brien, who's my guest today, is a founder and she is the driving force, the original concept the dream, the desire, the goal, the mission behind everything that this bag of popcorn is, which is is so amazing, so Emily, welcome to the show and it, and if you wouldn't mind, just give our listeners a little bit of info of who you are and what the brand's all about
0: for sure, so I started the company in two thousand and eighteen, and that was actually when I was in federal prison, and growing up, I never imagined myself there, you know, great family um honor roll student always volunteering always had jobs and you know ran into some issues with substances and then often with issues with substances comes bad relationships and that relationship landed me on a trip to saint lucia where he told me you know he went from being one person in canada to someone that told me that i had to bring drugs back from saint lucia to canada and so long very long story short um I had two kilograms of narcotics strapped to my body and was sentenced to four years in prison when I got caught at Pearson Airport. So, And in prison, I, I really saw you know, how similar everyone's story really was um, and how people just wanted to get back on their feet, but they felt so lost and felt so misunderstood because that was the only bad thing that they had done in their life or they just had never been supported in their life and that was all they knew. So I wanted to help recalibrate. I wanted to recalibrate my own life, but also help redefine others' lives. And instead of it just being from that one thing, um, helping them reach their potential because everyone does have it.
1: Mm. You know, I love the idea what you just talked about, the recalibration. Mm-hmm. And I want to help people you, So if you're listening today, what I'm hoping you pull away from this is a paradigm shift on how we view people that have had pasts that may not look like your white picket fed storybook because there's real value there. But I want to actually dig into a little bit right now on the individual who has that past and how difficult is it for that recalibration to happen, for their paradigm shift to happen personally?
0: I would say the first obstacle is getting past it internally, right? Because once you're charged with something, that's all they look at, right? And that's kind of what they just hit you on the head with over and over again and incarceration is not about rehabilitation that's just like the label they put on it right um it's just like some foods that say healthy and then you read the label and if you didn't read the label it wouldn't actually be healthy so that's kind of what incarceration is like and they applaud it as being a way where people go in and and will learn and but that's not true because a lot of people never had the support going in and you truly need support in all kinds of ways um not just financially but emotionally mentally physically Mm -hmm. there's so many ways that you actually need more support than just being locked in a box and then just being left to the wolves when when you leave right so that's kind of what i wanted to help help redefine and if i didn't have the support that i did you know i i had a great family but i also had to hold up my end of the bargain because i knew that my substance use and you know substance use can come all in any range it can be illegal or legal right overuse of anything can lead us down down a path where we wish we didn't go. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of what led me there. And if I didn't address this, then I wouldn't have had that support. Right. So I I did not get off easy. You know, I had to go through a lot of challenges within my own family and I had a lot of work to do, but if I didn't do that, and if I didn't have their support as well, then my trajectory would have been very, very different.
1: I can't get over how often I hear this because In our work, Leading with Nice, we deal a lot with trust building. And obviously, the first thing we do is build a lot of trust with our clients. Mm -hmm. And not anymore, but I was at first surprised how many people have something in their life, either that they experienced personally, a family member that has been in a situation, sometimes criminal, sometimes it's not, that they'd be embarrassed or shy to share. And I think the first thing, just hearing what you just shared, I'd want our listeners to know is that if you look to your left and right, you're probably much closer to somebody who has a situation like this in their life. And I'm sure you've come across that as well as people learn your story. I'm sure they open up to you with their own.
0: Oh, absolutely. And the thing is like before I even went to prison, I had a pretty successful social media business and there were still people that were breaking laws except just not getting caught and or having you know really powerful lawyers or the resources to hide those decisions, right? And often it's the people that don't have the resources to hide them are the ones that are, you know, getting the short end of the stick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just but actually doing the exact same thing that a lot of people, a lot of other people
1: are doing. Hmm. You know, this season on the podcast we're talking a lot about overcoming adversity. And so you have this like incredible, true life story that you've lived and you you've gone through and you're still going through and the journey is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. Tell me about where do you find that drive to put one foot after the other to get up every morning to keep going forward. Where, where does that drive come from?
0: Um, it comes from the role. Well, it comes from the drive to make an impact in, in other people's lives. And, you know, we've all worked jobs and and for people where it's just, we just feel like we're not motivated because we don't feel like we're doing anything except make our, our company money. And I've learned that that's not the end all, the all end all to, to happiness and actually feeling good about, your life and and where you want to go and what actually wakes you up in the morning. Maybe, maybe for some, it is like, obviously we need it to survive and we also want to have enough of it that we can do nice things for ourselves and and our families. But along with that comes with the ability to help others and, and spending time helping others, um, volunteering, doing things like that. Cause when you can actually make little and small changes, that's when you actually want to keep going. And we also, when you're just like addicted to being curious, I guess you could say, um, Mm i've always been fascinated with with learning whether it's like learning about insects when i was young or or space and going to the planetarium or like learning about plants and and traveling around the world so i've like used this like insatiable thirst to learn more about others and the changes that we need to make to truly live in a world that we that we do want to wake up in the morning we do feel good about what we've done but also we know that we have done things that have maybe harmed others but we want to fix it because that's that's how you live like a a happy life and a life where you feel confident is when you know that you've messed up and done your best to fix it and also tried to help others at the same time
1: you said something there about curiosity there's a quote i love by molly fletcher she was a sports agent in atlanta she now does consulting and she says trade defensiveness for curiosity because curiosity is the essence of a hungry learner mm-hmm. and it's just it's such i mean you said it right now it's such wise words to live by you also said something earlier and you said, I don't know, some, people get out of bed for different reasons. Sometimes it's for money. I would argue that money is actually never the reason. They, they might think it is, but it's usually something different. But you mentioned one earlier about helping people reach their potential. Mm-hmm. Was that something you felt before you had gone to prison or is that something you developed during that time and afterwards?
0: Um, it was something that I've always kind of done. Like even when I was young, I would I'd like to volunteer and learn about different cultures and organizations and how they can learn from me. So just like seeing how happy seeing others happy made me people express gratitude for like the simplest things. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so as we live in a world where everything is just like transactional mm-hmm. and when you're not living life like that, when you could just do things to, to be kind like, like I said, like that's honestly why how I wake up in the morning. and Because you never know how you're going to do it. You never know who you're going to meet. And you, you never know where, where that's going to take you. And because I've always been curious, doing all these things opens up the world even more to me. And I want, I, I'm very confident I'm going to live a very long life just because I'm very thirsty to learn and, and help and, and drive impact. And whether it's in the form of a text message or even a, a grant or something like that, right? So it's like these little ways of helping people and changing people's lives
1: in the smallest of ways, it might turn into the biggest of ways. Emily, listen, I'm looking forward to your book because uh, (laughs) I don't know if you have a book in the works right now, but definitely just in these last like 10 minutes, you've given like three or four chapters that I would eagerly read. (laughs) And one of them is is this, is you talked about like how when you were young, you liked to volunteer and you were really active socially. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like this moment, this incident, change the trajectory of your attitude and personality and who you were you made a mistake but you were always like a good person mm-hmm. but this moment where you made a mistake is now people look for like oh what did you learn like how did you change or like no i actually have this as a core as a message that i think it's not like oh i need to change the totality of who i am like no i just need to reconcile with this action i took yeah own it which you totally do if you google emily o'brien Comeback back snacks. You're going to see tons of news articles. You can read the whole story. There's great articles out there. And I want to, use Emily, as an example, to people in your life that have this piece of their story, it often wasn't necessarily the entire pivot of their personality and wholeness. So we can go on and on about that. But I think there's something that's really interesting people would want to know about is, you know, it's hard enough, like running a business in my basement. How do you start a business when you're in prison? That sounds immensely complicated.
0: Well, that's exactly why it just sounds immensely complicated
1: because
0: <laughs> oh. that's what we're, we've been taught, right? We, we've been taught and, you know, surrounded with marketing messages all the time that we need all these fancy bells and whistles and, you know, the, the ability to acquire so many things to build something that matters. But uh, that's when you strip away everything, like every big business, you also get down to like a a root core and a root cause. And that for me came with lived experience right? So I I had everything that I needed in there. I had my experience, I had the experience of others, and I had very, very simple ingredients that I could create something with. And I also had a system that needed significant overhaul, or at least certain parts of it, right? So that was another driving factor.
1: Tell us about that. What do you mean?
0: Well, the how it's not conducive to recovery or rehabilitation or People actually leaving the system. It's actually what I call a criminal reinforcement system because a lot of people in there, even when you get out on parole, the conditions are so crazy and so ridiculous. Some of these conditions, like mm-hmm. the, the rules that you can break, like I, I got in trouble once cause I didn't call from a landline, like a landline before six o'clock at night.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, I was out doing speaking engagements and this was like, while I was like living in a halfway house. So it's like yeah. the, the, the rules that you can
1: possibly break are just, they line you up to fail. I wouldn't even know where to find it. I'd have to go to my mom's house to get a landline now. Yeah, I'd even know where I'd get one of those. The bank or the library
0: or a Starbucks Star- <laughs> or like a bus like some small businesses.
1: Can you imagine? I'll have a uh, grande frappuccino, and also, can I borrow your landline? I need to check into my parole officer. <laughs> like you, right, like
0: I, I That was the actual real moment for me. Really?
1: So. <laughs> okay, so can you just give us a brief overview? what it looked like to start this while you're in prison. Like what were you doing? Who were you working with? Like what was the actual business at that point? Cause obviously it's grown since then we were talking before we started recording.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I couldn't actually like, I wasn't about to sell it in there, you know, like, but I was a, I was building the brand and that was through storytelling and things that were going on. So I would, I wrote a lot in there. Uh, I wrote articles and I also wrote about other people's stories and, I kind of harnessed all the things that were misunderstood by the public, you know, mm-hmm. about others in there. Um, whether it's about their capacity to be strong or their capacity to know how money works or their capacity to build something or be crafty or be creative or to love or be kind. Mm-hmm. And I kind of focused on all those things and it wasn't very hard, you know, cause when you're in there, like it, that's where you see the human in everyone. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I documented everything, and then from a f- like a popcorn and food perspective, we actually lived in houses, like where I was. Um, you know, they were locked at night. You had your own room when you're locked in there at night, but you cooked all all of your own food, and so we had access to like a very small grocery list, so we could get certain spices on there. And then we also had access to like a canteen list where you could buy your own stuff. And so I bought popcorn kernels off there, and just would experiment with different spices. And one time, I put craft dinner powder on on my popcorn and it was like so that's actually going to be our next flavor it's called uh triple cheddar but in there i called it jailhouse cheese (laughs) (laughs) so it's like all the all the each flavor has a story and that's like how it was created why it was created and the meaning behind it right so that's how i did it and then as soon as i was like able to leave um i started just like volunteering to share my story at schools um and like making little samples for events and then Got into commercial kitchen, got the proper licensing, and then was able to actually start selling it to retailers. Mm -hmm. And then um, just went from there and then moved into a grocery store kitchen. And then we got more poppers. And then eventually we got a partnership with a manufacturer. So that was the very big stage. And now we just have a partnership with our second manufacturer for our second line. So this has all been since about two and a half years.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, you know, people listening like, Oh, all this seemed to fall into place. We got a manufacturer. We got, it's like, there's a lot of in between mm-hmm. moments. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I want you to speak to like HR directors, managers, board of governors, policymakers and help them truly understand what it's like for somebody with a criminal record that is trying to make their way through society. What is it actually like for them? Like, the barriers that the difficulties paint a picture for them. sure
0: uh, i can say like as in someone coming out and trying to build a business i dealt with business insurance being charged over for that um you want to have a good credit check often you've been in prison you can't work so you'd have no credit you can't rent an apartment no one's gonna it's hard to get an apartment there's so much competition as well i mean you often has have, have gaps in your resume and people look at those gaps and like oh like you know most organizations aren't curious about that, they're suspicious of it. Mm. But I also think like if you look at so many people on LinkedIn, half of them are like lying about like what they do. So like if we can actually encourage people to be honest about what happened in their lives, that's what you want. You don't want like someone with this flashy resume that looks great because often they're the ones that are gonna disappoint you the most. Mm. So what I teach people is to talk about like your resume of failure and what you learned from it. So you can just talk about it. And if you can actually be honest about that and how you learned that's when you learn the most and honesty and the ability to learn and move forward from that are like two things that you want in an employee. And that can also encourage loyalty and it can make them feel like family. And that's what like my organization is. And that's why we've had the same staff. They, you know, they don't take advantage of us. They, they come to us when they need something and we have a great relationship. So there's no hierarchy, right? Because we've all been there. It's just like sometimes when we get people at the top, they act like they haven't ever done anything wrong. And that's not true. No. I think um, coming out of prison, you think someone has no skills, but that's
1: also not true. First of all, this resume of failure idea, I, oh man, I'm not sure if that's the title of your book or just a chapter, (laughs) but I love that concept. And I'm, you know what? There's training to be developed there for HR directors. Uh, at HR and hiring managers. How do you have a part of the interview process where that conversation ha- happens very safely? I'm going to think about that for a while longer.
0: Yeah, and even just like like about substance substance abuse and, and, and everything like that and using, it's like, why are we making our employees scared of that? You know what I mean? Like at ours, I find them places to host their AA meetings. Like they have them in our office. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> why are you pretending like this is something that doesn't exist?
1: Right. Right, so- do you find because of the adversity you faced and like certain setbacks that other people would find really hard, you're like, it rolls off your back much easier.
0: Yeah. But I also don't complain about things because that's another way of just like blaming someone else. Right. And the second you want to blame someone else, like you are a hundred percent in control or sometimes not in control of your own life, but you still have to own it.
1: <laughs> even if you lose control. So. Mm. Okay. So we've talked now about some of the hardships people face what i'd love to get from you now is you clearly have a system that works give people that have never considered somebody with a criminal record as a viable employee for their business how how do you find the right person
0: honestly we we seek out people we have partnerships with with organizations that are working with people that are coming out of incarceration and they kind of know the behaviors of them because not everyone is ready for a job right right off the bat there's still a lot of unhealed trauma yes maybe they're living in a halfway house or or a city like that like their family is so far away getting a full-time job is not necessarily going to be a priority so you have to make sure that your candidate is someone you know that maybe is ready for the workforce and so you have to talk to the people at the organizations which is great and just make sure that everyone's really transparent and that nothing like you can't make them feel afraid Mm -hmm. right um obviously depending on the sector there are certain sectors that yes certain crimes just not gonna not gonna happen but you're gonna find big organizations jp morgan now in the u.s is hires people that have been incarcerated richard branson his whole like virgin trains has a whole section that they go in and actively train people in prisons and they have programs that people can message them or contact them on the way out so it's taking a more active approach and then when you become a resource like that that's when people will, will come to you for sure and as long as you get them to lay all their cards on the table and encourage them to do that. And that's where you're going to have a really transparent and open relationship. That'll bring more loyalty from, from both ends.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much to unpack in this. Um, before we close off, where can they find out more about you and your product? Like aside from all the great learning we've had, the popcorn's amazing. So you need to go buy some right now. Uh, where can they find out where to pick up your product or where can they buy it?
0: Sure. If you go to comebacksnacks.com. There's a link at the top that says locations and all the locations are there. And you can also buy directly through our website and our social media is at Comebacks Max.
1: And if there's a leader or a business manager or a director, a CEO, a president that's been listening is like, okay, I feel like very connected to what Emily has been sharing today. What's one thought you want to leave them with to help maybe help them get on their journey of reflection and paradigm shifting?
0: I would say that try to imagine the person that has been through something that is someone that's trying to either get a job with you or work with you. Imagine that person was someone that was in your immediate family. And so what I call this is like proximity forgiveness. So if it's someone that you know, and you've always known, you already know their backstory. So you're more willing to trust them. So you have to be willing to learn more about that person instead of just cutting them off immediately. That way you can actually have active forgiveness and that you're being active in your pursuit of getting to know more about them and their actual history as opposed to what we call as their history because it's not their history. It was just one part of their life.
1: Emily, so good. So old. Yeah. I'm glad I have it. I have a pretty light day today. I'm very fortunate for that because I want to reflect on what you've shared. Listen, um, a few thank yous. Thank you so much to you for coming on. Naomi Grossman helped book this. Austin Pomeroy is our audio editor. Amber Hopkins and Carrie Cotton take care of the business while I'm here yammering away. You hear notifications going off. That's them doing work. And Jeff Anhorn does a video for this. Jamie Hunter takes care of all our social media. So if you've seen this online, you can thank him. Emily, thanks so much. For more on this, we'll have an article and resources and links in the show notes and at leadingwithnice.com. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you.